Hi, and welcome to Follow Baptist Church's weekly message podcast. My name's Luke Williams, and I'm the lead pastor, and we're thrilled to have you joining us. We hope the message today inspires you and helps you follow Jesus in your community for His glory. Here's the message. Well, hi, everyone. It's Mark Connor here today, and it's a real privilege to be joining you for the fifth anniversary of Follow Church. What a wonderful achievement. What a wonderful milestone. And it's really good to pause every now and then in our lives and just look back and be grateful, thankful for all that God has done. And so thank you for the opportunity to be with you today. Big shout out to Luke and Kim, as well as the team and you as a congregation for uh, all that God has done and is doing in your church community there. Uh, You know, a few years ago, I decided to do a series of messages at the church I was leading at the time on the church. And so I thought I'd get ahead of the the curve. And so a few months out, I started doing some research. And so uh, I went to one of my favorite websites, google.com, and I typed in the word church. And I hit enter, and up came 393 million hits. I thought, wow, that's a lot of websites. That's a lot of opinions about the church. That's going to take a little a little too long. So I went to my second favorite website, Amazon.com. Typed that in and uh, it's the world's biggest bookstore. And I typed in the word church, hit enter and bang, (laughs) over 50,000 books about the church. Now, I have a confession. I'm actually a book lover. You can see behind me, uh, there's a certain joy just in buying another book and putting it on your shelf, even if you haven't read the last book that you bought. If you're not a book addict, you wouldn't even understand. But anyway, 50,000 plus books. I thought uh, there's no way I'm going to be able to buy all those or read all those. But anyway, I bought a few books about the church. I started reading, reading The Purpose Driven Church, a good book by Rick Warren, I read another book called The Emerging Church. You know, not sure what we're doing is right. We need to emerge somewhere new. I read another book called The Organic Church. Sounds a little bit like gardening, doesn't it? And then a book called The Multi-Site Church and another book about the mega church. And anyway, after reading a bunch of books, I I must admit I was getting confused. (laughs) I mean, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said, I will build my church, but uh, what is the church? What what did he actually have in mind? And so I had a novel idea. I thought, I know, I'll read the Bible, which is actually a a really good thing to do for everyone, but particularly for pastors and preachers like myself. And so I opened my Bible once again, and I turned to the book of Acts, and I thought, let's have a fresh look at the church the first church, and see what Jesus actually had in mind, to try to reimagine, draw a fresh picture of what Jesus is building. And so I'd like to read with you and for you today, Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. Here is a picture of the first church in Jerusalem. Reading from the New International Version, those who accepted Peter's message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added To their number that day, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. 
it's a wonderful narrative, wonderful description of the first church. And I believe it gives us a, a picture of what Jesus had in mind when he said, I will build my church. And so today, let's, let's reimagine, let's think afresh uh, about the church and what Jesus wants followed church to be. And so out of my reflections and study in the book of Acts, I came up with a, a working definition of the church. And the first thing I noted is that the church is a community. The church is a community. Notice the words fellowship. Uh, notice the word together. Notice the word meals. Notice the word meeting in the temple and meeting in homes. And so right away you notice that the church is not a building. You know, we often say, hey, let's go to church. <laughs> and really, the church is not a building. And if anything, COVID-19 has proven is that the church still continues to be the church, even though we're not at a church building. The church is not a building. It's not an organization. It's not even an event on a Sunday or wherever and whenever we may meet. See, church is not something you go to. It's something you're a part of. It's like a family. And so right away, the church that Jesus is building is a community. It's a group of people called out of society, as it were, to, to be a representation of God's life and God's love in the world. Uh, you'll notice we don't know much about the programs of the first church. We don't know what songs they sung, how long the sermon was, what they did with the kids. We really don't know much, but there are two programs that are mentioned. They met in large gatherings in the temple. This church is over 3,000 right at the beginning. And they met in small gatherings in their homes. And I think that's quite profound. I think a, a healthy church has the, the large gatherings where there's vision and worship and fellowship and teaching. And yet there's these smaller groups where you can really know each person, where there's friendship developing. Uh, you know, we can think of sitting in rows and often in the weekend when we used to meet in church buildings and hopefully some stage we'll be back together again. Uh, in rows is one way to meet, but in circles is a totally different dynamic where you're face to face and there's this closeness and intimacy. And so Jesus never said, I'll build my crowd. He loved the crowd and he gathered people, but he called people out of the crowd to be his disciples, to be his followers and then to do life together. You know, Follow Church, uh, as I said a little bit uh, in the interview before this message, is a big church now. 98% uh, of churches in the world are under 200, and so Follow already is a, a big church. And, you know, as the church gets bigger, um, there's some great strengths, some great advantages. You've got more resources, you've got uh, more opportunities and more gifts. Uh, it's a wonderful thing. But there's some disadvantages. As you get bigger, you can't know everybody. You can't be best friends with the pastor. And so that's just something we have to adjust in our thinking to realize you can't know everybody, but you can know somebody. I've got a friend who once said, you know, when you visit a church, it's like you're on a conveyor belt. <laughs> and unless you step off that belt into a small group or a serving team, it's just a matter of time before you kind of go out the back door. And so we, we notice right away from this first church that church is about connection. It's about community. And, and I love the, the whole fact that follow is a place to call home. Uh, went to your website and it just came up right away. A place to call home, a place to connect, a, a place to belong. And so this is what Jesus is building. It's not a crowd, it's not a building, not an organization, not just an event. He's building a community, a place where we can all have a sense of belonging and do life together. The second thing I noted in my definition is the church is a community of Jesus followers. 
Jesus followers, or you could use the word disciples. Notice that they devoted themselves to. Uh, disciples are people who don't just believe in Jesus. Yes, I believe in Jesus uh, or even worship Jesus. It's interesting. Jesus never said, worship me. He never even said, believe in me, but he did say, follow me. Uh, that's a pretty good name for a church, isn't it? Uh, Jesus called people not just to believe in worship, but to follow him. And so disciples are people who are following Jesus and they're learning to be like him, learning to embrace his values and his way of living. See, Christianity is not so much a system of beliefs as it is a way of life characterized by love. And so our goal as we join this community, the church, is to be like Jesus. And this is a process that takes time uh, and it's a partnership. God works in us and we have to work out our salvation. And, you know, becoming like Jesus is more about training than trying. Uh, you know, in 1 Timothy 4, verse 7 to 8, Timothy is encouraged by Paul to train yourself to be godly. You know, physical exercise has a lot of benefit, uh, but spiritual disciplines uh, really make an impact. Notice that Paul says, train yourself to be godly. It doesn't say try to be godly. You know, I think sometimes we try to be like Jesus and it's pretty hard. <laughs> it's pretty hard to love your enemies. Um, and the truth is, in most areas of life, trying only gets you so far. You know, if I said to uh, you today, hey, in three months time, uh, we're going to run a marathon. Um, who's going to rock up and run the marathon? We're going to raise some money for follow and the mission you're doing. You know, we, we could whip you up and motivate you. But most of you realize just rocking up in three months and having a go is not going to get you running a marathon. But if we said, you know, next year. 12 months from now, we're going to run a marathon. And between now and then, we're going to all be training. We're going to be doing push-ups and sit-ups and sprints and stretching. Uh, how many know through training, you will enable yourself to do what you cannot do by trying alone? We all know you can't run a marathon just by trying. Most of us can't. But if we'll all train, it's just, just an example. Just relax. You don't have to do this. But if we'll all train, training will empower us to do what we can't do just by our own decision. It's the same in, in music. You know, I could say today, you know, I, I just think if you try really hard, you can play the piano. Come on, have a, have a go. Uh, well, we all know just, just trying to play the piano is not going to work. But if you enter a life of training... We learn some uh, theory, learn some scales and some arpeggios. Uh, through training, you can learn to do what you cannot do by willpower alone. It's the same with a language. Let's take Japanese. You know, I could say, hey, I just feel you could speak Japanese if you, if you really try. Come on. Kamikaze, sushi, sashimi, mitsubuchi. Okay, okay. I know it's a little corny, but my point is just trying to speak Japanese is only going to get you so far. But if you'll train, if you'll go and learn some vocabulary and some grammar, you can train yourself to learn a language. In every area of life, we grow through training, not just through trying. Why have we forgotten that to be like Jesus is not just trying, it's training? Uh, the Greek word for the word train, where Paul says in 1 Timothy 4, 7 to 8, train yourself to be godly. The Greek word is gymnazo which is where we get the word gymnastics from. And what Paul is saying is engage in a series of disciplines and exercises that will help you to become 
like Jesus. And you'll notice that this group is not only meeting together, hanging out, but they are engaging in a whole variety of spiritual disciplines. They're praying together. They're hearing teaching of God's word. They're fellowshipping together. They're giving generously. These are all spiritual exercises, spiritual disciplines, not things that we do to earn our salvation or to prove our goodness. They're things that empower us to become like Jesus. You know, ultimately we all want to grow and we want to become mature as followers of Jesus. Uh, part of that is learning to be self-feeding. You know, um, our oldest son, Josiah, when he was a little boy, I used to put him on the high chair and I used to feed him, you know, a little spoonful of the baby food and half in the mouth, half on the bib, try a second time. You know, I had to feed him myself. Uh, you know, one of the credits to my parenting abilities is that now at the age of 31, Josiah feeds himself. I don't need to go around and feed him. He's self-feeding. You know, it's the same for us spiritually. You know, if you're expecting a weekend message to be nutritious enough and delicious enough and anointed to get you through the whole week, uh, it's an unrealistic expectation because, you know, you have breakfast this morning. When the meeting's over, you'll have some lunch and then there'll be dinner. You know, we need multiple meals during the day. And so it is in our spiritual life. No one weekend message is going to nourish you through the whole week. And so we've all got to learn to be self-feeding. And that's through our own prayer, our own reading of God's word, our own fellowship, our own serving. And so notice church is a, it's a community of people following Jesus, Jesus followers, training to become like Jesus. The next thing I noticed is that the church is a community of Jesus followers empowered by the Spirit. You notice if you go back to Acts 1, Jesus says, wait for the Spirit's power. Uh, they had a great mission Jesus had given them, the, 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 the great commission to reach out to the whole world. But he said, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit. You know, the Christian life is about getting to know God. And the, the God that's been revealed to us is one God existing in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, not three gods, one God, but three. Hard to get your head around. It's called the Trinity. And so the Christian life is about getting to know God. And, and usually we start with Jesus. We hear that Jesus died on the cross for our mistakes and he offers us forgiveness. And so we fall in love with Jesus. Jesus, I love you. Thank you for being my savior. But you know, Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way where? Way to the Father. And so we come to know God as father, as parent. And no matter what your natural parents were like, you have a heavenly parent, a heavenly father who loves you just the way you are. And to know the love of the father is an amazing thing. You know, I still remember when I became a dad and I was holding Josiah in my arms and I just thought about how much I loved him. You know, um, and I started thinking, why do I love him? I mean, he hasn't kicked a goal yet. He hasn't, um, hasn't uh, scored an A on a test. He hasn't made any money. In fact, it costs us a lot of money just to get him right here. <laughs> I thought he hasn't done anything, but I love him more than anything in my world. Take away my job, my car, my house, my ministry, but don't take away my little boy. And for the first time, I realized if I, as a flawed, <laughs> sinful, imperfect human parent, feel that about my boy, what, what does God feel about me? What does God feel about you today? You know, uh, it's about knowing Jesus as your Savior, but knowing God as your Father. You are His child today. You are His daughter, His son. And His love for you is not based on your performance, how well you did this week. 
His love for you is unconditional. It's based on the fact that you are his child. You know, I've got three kids now. And if you said, uh, what do I think of my kids? I'd say they're the best kids in the whole world. If you said, have they ever done anything wrong? I'd say, how long have you got? <laughs> of course they have. But my love for them is based on the fact that they are my children. So we, we get to know Jesus. We get to know the Father. And then there's this person called the Holy Spirit. Not a force, not an influence, a person. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going away, but it's going to be good because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's not just going to be with you like I have been. He's going to live on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit is called the, the comforter. And the Holy Spirit comes along to help us in situations where we don't know what to do. You know, in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14, Paul gives this wonderful benediction, benediction may the the love of the Father, may the grace of Jesus, and may the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. You know, it's possible to have someone live inside of you or live in your house and not even talk to them. It's possible. It would be rude, but it's possible to have someone living in your home and never talk to them. You know, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you individually, and he lives in us as a community. We are his temple, his home, his dwelling place. Uh, why is the Holy Spirit here? He's there to help us in situations where we don't know what to do. I'll tell you a funny story. When I was uh, uh, first married, we lived in Baronia and we bought an old weatherboard house, a uh, bit of a fixer upper. And the garden was really overgrown. And uh, one Saturday, Nicole gave me a list of trees she wanted pulled out uh, in the front yard. And so I got out there with my gloves and my crowbar and my um, spade and shovel and uh, I started digging and oh, it was hard work. You know, it's amazing how some thin trees can have some incredibly complex root systems. And so I was getting blisters and sweating and uh, I wasn't moving through the list uh, very quickly at all. Anyway, uh, mid-afternoon, uh, my mate John dropped around and uh, he had a four-wheel drive. He says, what are you doing? I says, I'm trying pull all these trees out. It's just going so slow. He says, hey, well, let me help you. So he backed his four-wheel drive in, got a rope around his tow bar and around this tree I'd been working on for about an hour. And uh, he put it in gear, revved it up and bang, the tree popped out. I said, man, that was that was really easy. Where have you been? Anyway, we started pulling trees out left, right and center. Uh, we were even pulling trees out that weren't even on the list. Um, this was so easy. Anyway, it started to get late afternoon, dust, almost starting to get dark. And we had this one tree near the front of the house that you know, was just really, really struggling to get out. And anyway, he's flooring it, revving it, skidding, and bang, it suddenly popped out. But it ricocheted across the front yard and hit the front tap, bent it over. And we had a geyser of water <laughs> coming out of this tap that had been bent over. I, I mean, I was in trouble. I was in trouble. It's, I was kind of blocking so Nicole wouldn't look out the window. And I'm thinking, who are you going to call? <laughs> Not Ghostbusters. Um, you call a plumber. So I got on the phone. I got a mate named Adrian. Adrian, <laughs> quick, I, got, I, got, I need help. Anyway, about 15 minutes later, Adrian rocked up. You know, plumbers love water. Adrian had all the tools, all the experience, all the knowledge, a couple of minutes, bang, and he'd fix my problem. Now, now, what's the point? The point is, if I hadn't called Adrian, <laughs> I'd probably still be standing there soaking wet today. How do you get on the phone and say, Adrian, I need your help? Well, see, the plumber is not just a good, sorry, the Holy Spirit's not just a good plumber. He's good at everything. You know, there's no situation you're going to face today, this week, that the Holy Spirit hasn't seen before. He has all the knowledge, all the tools, all the experience to help you. But you know what? You've got to call. 
fact, the Greek word for comforter, parakletos, literally means to call in someone to help you when you don't know what to do. And so the Christian life is this life of learning to love Jesus, know the love of the Father, and to fellowship with the Holy Spirit and, and to call on Him. And as, as you look through the book of Acts, we call it the Acts of the Apostles. It's really the Acts of the Holy Spirit done through the Apostles. And it's learning to listen to the Holy Spirit saying, hey, see that chariot? Yeah, go, go and chat to that person there. Uh, the Holy Spirit leading and guiding. And so the church is a community, people doing life together, of people following Jesus, engaged in spiritual disciplines and exercises, training ourselves to be like Jesus, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. I know the Holy Spirit's at work in follow. And I just have the sense that as you go forward, it's going to be uh, a greater time of dependence and listening to the Holy Spirit. You know, in Acts 15, they had a huge conflict and there's a big debate. And so they heard all the sides and everyone gave their opinion. In the end, it says it seemed good to us and the Holy Spirit. You know, the church is not just about us and your opinion and my opinion and what I think it's. What is the Holy Spirit saying? And uh, I'm praying that you will know an incredible guidance and leading of the Holy Spirit as you have through these five years, but moving into the future. Well, we're going into uncharted territory as we continue this great adventure of doing life together as a church. And so the church is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then finally, to participate in God's mission in the world. Notice in Acts 2, the Lord added to their number people who are being saved daily. So church is not just this community of people becoming like Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. There's this outward focus of participating in God's mission in the world. And there are these circles reaching out to Jerusalem, their immediate neighborhood, to Samaria, crossing some cultural barriers and and then to Judea, the, the, the broader region, and the ends of the earth, having a heart even for, for the nations. And, you know, the, the Great Commission is about Nathan, uh, is about nations, uh, ethnos, different people groups that we want to reach. But it's also to reach the world is the Greek word cosmos, which means the social order that exists. And so the Great Commission is about reaching different geographical areas, different people groups, but every social strata of society. And, you know, each one of you are positioned in different places within the city of Melbourne and beyond. Maybe you're in the educational sphere or maybe sports and entertainment or, or maybe in the health area or, or, or teaching education or government um, we're, we're all positioned in different sectors of society and, and the gospel uh, is good news to people in each one of those areas, going to all the world, going to the cosmos, going to the social strata that exists. And so uh, God has positioned you to be good news and to share good news. And we do that just by being a blessing wherever we may be, by building relationships with people, loving them, and then meeting needs, doing good wherever we find ourselves. And then as those opportunities come to share good news. I love the fact that Follow has such a heart for mission. Again, looked on your website, the Follow Collective, Follow C, the Food Van, Breakfast Club, Home Starter Packs, Blessed Tubs, Mission. I can just see that right in the DNA of your church is this heart that we're not just here for ourselves. We're here to be a blessing to our world. And so uh, this is the church. It's a community of Jesus followers empowered by the Spirit, participating in God's mission in the world. You know, if we visited churches around the world today, I could take you to all different forms, structures, and expressions of church. There are small churches, medium churches, large, mega, 
Uh, I, I know a pastor of a church of hundreds of thousands of people. There are churches meeting in different venues and environments. There are different styles. Some churches are very formal. Uh, some are very informal. Some are very structured. You know what's going to happen every second of the meeting. Others are totally unstructured. No one knows what's going on, even the pastor. There's different music styles. Some are using traditional hymns with pipe organs. Others are using rock music with you know, flashing lights and pounding drums and holy smoke. And you look at all those and go, well, which is the church that Jesus had in mind? My suggestion is that we look beneath the surface and the form and the structure and look right at the core and at the essence. And if there is a group of people uh, living as a community of Jesus followers, empowered by the Spirit, participating in God's mission in the world, then there is an expression of the church that Jesus had in mind. And I believe follow is a great expression of the church that Jesus is building. And so I want to encourage you today, affirm you at all that God has done over these five years, what he's doing today and also what he's yet to do. Great days ahead for you. Let me pray for you. Father, thank you today for your word. Jesus, thank you for coming and declaring that you would build your church. And here 2,000 years later, you are still building your church. And we pray that follow would continue to be an expression of what you have in mind. Holy Spirit, forgive us for at times ignoring you and not calling on your help. We ask you to be so present, leading and guiding Follow Church as we go forward from this moment. And so I pray that Follow Church would go from strength to strength. Bless uh, Luke and Kim and all the leaders and the volunteers in the congregation. I pray for an amazing sense of unity around the identity and the vision and mission you've given them. And that Follow Church will continue to be a blessing to its local community, to our city, to our nation and beyond. We'll be sure to give you all the praise, all the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. Amen. God bless you. Such a joy to be with you today. Enjoy the celebrations. All the best. Thanks for tuning in to Follow Online. To stay updated, go to follow.church. As the people of God, let's stay connected and follow the words of Jesus to love one another.